phone. I'm not trying to do this to make you feel left out. That actually happened one time to Silas. He was in like the fifth or sixth grade. So this is almost uh, 10 years ago now. Oh, 10 years ago, crazy time flies. But Silas was in school one time, and the teacher was trying to give a demonstration. It was elementary school, and the teacher was trying to make some math demonstration about percentages and everything. And uh, so they had everybody stand up, and the teacher literally said, if you, ha- if you have a cell phone, sit down. This is fifth or sixth grade. Silas was literally the only one in the class left standing. So up, up until that point, he'd been trying to tell us, like, I'm the only one that doesn't have a cell phone. Everybody else does. And we're like, yeah, you're just, you're just saying that because you want us to get you on. And it was true. He literally was the only one. In fact, uh, I saw a survey from 2016 that said in the age range of 18-year-olds, cell phone ownership is virtually 100%. Like, if you find any 18-year-old on the street, the odds are they own a cell phone. So they are everywhere. They're, they're pervasive in society. The government even went through a period of time where if you couldn't afford one, they gave one to you. So, so everybody that we know has one. You actually have, if you own a phone, you have more computing power in your hand than NASA had when they landed the Apollo mission on the moon. Come on, think about that for a second. Right here in your hand, you could have done the entire moon launch and landed them on the moon with just the computing power that you have here in your hand. And we've had this amazing technology advancement, and I started thinking, what do we use it for? And so we started this series today called iChurch, not because we've launched a cool new app, although that that may be coming at some point, Uh, but over the next few weeks, I'm going to make the case that the church should be able to do everything that most people use their phones for. So you don't want to miss that. We're going to talk about some different things, but today we're going to start off, uh, come on, think about it. There's, come on, you can, you're probably thinking, oh, there's good things, there's bad things, there's time-wasting things. Like, can we come to church and play Candy Crush for an hour? Like, I don't know what you're thinking, but the, the valuable, the important things that people use their phone for, the church should be able to do that well. And out of everything that people use their phones for, this is what's amazing. The main reason that people use their phones is to connect with other people. That, that is still number one. And it's kind of interesting, even though it's, it's a phone primarily, any survey you see, like making actual phone calls is usually like fifth or sixth on the list of when they ask people, what do you use your phone for? Uh, but they still, people use it to make calls. People use it, you might... I hate to say this, but you might actually be getting in the older generation if your primary way of communicating is texting and email. How many of you have talked to a young person? They're like, oh, that's how old people communicate. Like text and email, I thought I was happening and, and communicating, but they're, they're using different platforms to communicate and getting their messages to each other, but they still use their phone to communicate. In fact, uh, an amazing study of young people said that the main reason that they use their phones for messaging and texting and all that is to facilitate getting together, to connect, to have community. So that's, people are using their phones for texting, emails, however it is, they're messaging each other. And then obviously, some form of social media is happening on almost everybody's phone, and the primary reason because they want to connect and see what's going on in other people's lives and have them know what's going on in their time. Uh, I, that's another one, texting, email. Facebook has almost become, oh, that's how old people stay connected on social media. Like, society is changing. Things are moving so fast that you can't even keep track of it somewhere. But people, the bottom line is, people long to be connected. 
That, that is an inherent human feeling that we long to be connected. It started way back in the garden. God first identified it when he said it's not good for man to be alone. There, there is this need inside of us to be connected, and technology has helped that to happen. Or in some people's opinions, they may think technology has made that a little bit worse. I don't know where you fall on that spectrum. But technology has filled this gap because there's a need in people that they want to be connected. And so technology has helped make that happen. And uh, no matter how advanced our phones get, no matter what the latest and greatest app is, church should always be better at helping people connect than anything that's on your phone. I'll say that one more time. Church should always be better at helping people connect than anything that's on your phone. Uh, some, some people might hear that statement and you think, well, how could we make that happen? How could we possibly compete with, you know, we don't have 2.2 billion monthly users like Facebook. Come on, does that number, is that staggering to anybody else? That there, there are two, there's only 7 billion people on the planet and 2.2 billion people use Facebook every month. You're thinking, how can we compete with that? If you are an Apple user, if you have an iPhone, you are one of about 90 million people that own an Apple product. And you're thinking, how could the church possibly compete with that? Well, I'll tell you, this is how the church competes with it. We have an advantage because Jesus is in the middle of our connections. And so it doesn't matter what Facebook's doing, what the technology is doing. The church has the advantage because Jesus is right here at the center of everything we do. We're not just a networking group. We're not just a therapy session. We're not just a club that gets together and talks. We literally come together and Jesus shows up in our midst every single time. Come on, that, that is why the church should be better at making connections happen in people's lives because we have a supernatural advantage because Jesus is here. And uh, this verse is in uh, Matthew 18, verse 20, very familiar to all of us. It says, for wherever two or three come together in honor of my name, I am right there with them. I love that, that way of saying it. Everybody say, I am right there with them. I am right there with them. Jesus promised that whenever we gather, just even two or three of us, when we say, hey, we are Christians and we're together, he shows up right there where we are. Man, I love that promise because I don't have to wonder. Is, is his email address going to bounce? Like, is it, do I have the right one to connect to him? Do, do I have enough bars? Do I have connectivity here where I'm going to be able to reach him? I don't have to wonder, is, is that really his profile picture? Is that what he looks like? Come on, has anybody ever wonder that? Like, you don't look like that in real life. We don't have to wonder these things about Jesus. We don't have to think, is he going to answer when I try to call? It's never going to say, you know, service unavailable. He is always there. He promised that, that he would always be with us, that he would always show up when we show up together in his name. So why does it matter that, that Jesus is here with us? Is, is it just to boost the attendance up today? You know, the ushers are counting the people and they're like, well, I don't see him in his physical body, but Jesus is here, so we'll add one to the, to the count today. Is that why we do it? Why is it a big deal that Jesus is here in our midst when we gather together in his name? It's a big deal because he does things that we can't. When Jesus shows up, things happen that I could never produce in my own strength, that we couldn't even come together, five or six of us, and say, we're going to make this happen for you. But when Jesus shows up, things happen that only he can do. In uh, Matthew 15, 30, this is just one of probably 15, 20, 30 scriptures in the New Testament. It says, great crowds came to him. 
This was a common occurrence, and the theme throughout Jesus' ministry is wherever he went, there were crowds of people that surrounded him. And when it, when it puts a modifier on it, when it says great crowds, I don't think it's saying, oh, you know, there were like 25 people showed up for his ministry meeting. There were huge crowds, so much so that people couldn't get into him. There were crowds that gathered to the extent where four guys said, hey, our friend needs healed. We've got to rip the roof off this place to get him down to see Jesus because the crowd is so thick we can't get in there. There was, there was a woman that got healed because she touched Jesus' robe. He says, who touched me? And the disciples said, there's all these people here. What are you talking about? Who touched you? There's hundreds and thousands of people following you because great crowds went wherever Jesus went. That happened everywhere throughout the gospel because people knew that any time they could get with Jesus, any time they could meet him, their lives would change for the better. Come on, great crowds followed Jesus because they got healed. They got fed. They got delivered from oppression. There were things that happened that Jesus did. They, they got affirmation instead of judgment. The woman laying there in the dust and Jesus saying, hey, where are your accusers? And she says, they've all left. He says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Come on, people got affirmation. They got forgiveness. They got wholeness in their lives. They got things. They experienced things that Jesus did for them that only he can do. So when Jesus promises, I'll be here Anytime you gather together in my name, it's a big deal because he shows up and does things in people's lives that we could never produce. And that's, that's part of what gives the church a better ability to connect and make connections with people than even our phone or any app you could ever come up with. And just like there's more than one app on your phone that helps you connect with people, how many of you know the benefits of church don't stop just with being connected to Jesus? Come on, that, that, is, that is the number one thing. That is the amazing priority. We get to connect with Jesus. But I mean, if you know there's even more benefits than that. We also get to connect to his people. When, when we come together, we get to connect with other Christians, other believers. And some of you may be thinking, um, I've met Christians. I'm not so sure that's a great benefit that we could be touting to the community. Like, like I don't know why we get the reputation we get sometimes, but people think, oh, Christians, I'm going to stay far away from that group. But it really is a benefit to connect with other people who are following Jesus, to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to see things happen in our lives together. That is a benefit that the church connects us with Jesus's body. And uh, we weren't designed to do life alone. We weren't meant to go through it by ourselves, isolated from everybody else, thinking, oh, I can manage, I can make it happen. Uh, Even people outside of the church know that that's a truth. Come on, look around in, in the community. People who aren't even saved know the value of family. They join clubs. They join teams to do things together. That's why you go every Friday night. Any bar in town is probably packed out because people are looking for community. They don't want to do life alone. Even young people, that's one of the main reasons kids today join gangs because I, I wasn't made to do life alone. I want to be with other people who are going to affirm me and be with me no matter what. And we need to have that kind of connection here in the church. Because how many of you agree that life is hard sometimes? Is that, all right, I got like 50% and the, the rest of you are like, life is great. What is he talking about? Life is hard sometimes, isn't it? And we weren't meant to do it alone. We were meant to help each other get through life. And uh, I, I was thinking about this this week and I, I was going to show a picture because Heather's not here today so I can get away with showing it. Uh, but Heather and Daniel last year, they went with Daniel's brother and, and sister and ran a Spartan race. How many of you know what a Spartan race is? 
All right, I got at least three or four people. A Spartan race is like a really long distance run, but they put stupid hard obstacles in the middle of it. There's water, there's mud, there's even fire that you have to jump over before you go through the end. And in the Spartan race, they design it so that you can't make it by yourself. The whole point of the thing is that you come and run with a group of people that you help each other over the obstacles. They were standing at the top of the wall saying, hey, let me help pull you up over the wall. Let me, let me make sure you're going to get through this. And they all, they make a big deal. They take a picture of you crossing the finish line together with your team. And I thought, man, life is like a Spartan race. There are obstacles that come up. We, it's hard enough. Come on, really. Thinking about a Spartan race and they're saying, oh, it's a 10-mile run. How many of you know that's hard enough just to go run 10 miles? And then let alone somebody comes and throws these crazy obstacles where you're crawling through the mud and, and water coming on you and fire everywhere. It's hard enough just to go the distance in life and you're trying to run your race and you're like, oh, I'm going to make it. It's hard. But then all of a sudden, obstacles come up. This unexpected thing happened. Somebody in my family got sick or this relationship broke or or this bill came up. There's all these things that don't, they're not on our radar. Life is hard enough by itself. And then you throw in those obstacles. And it's like, how am I going to make this by myself? And that's why we need to be able to connect with other people. We need to be able to help each other go the distance, to overcome those obstacles and keep running in that race. And one of the greatest payoffs of doing that together is, is what's happening in that picture on the right. How many of you know Heather and Daniel and his, and his sister and brother-in-law were excited to finish the race? They celebrated, look what we accomplished together. That is one of the biggest benefits of connecting with one another is not just the help that we get going through the hard times, but then we get to turn around and celebrate and say, man, look what we overcame. Look at the obstacles that happened in our life, and we made it. We helped each other. We prayed. We supported, and we did these things. That is a payoff of connecting to one another. And uh, in the Bible, I want to read just a couple verses before we close. In the Bible, there was a group of people that they weren't sure how things were going to turn out. Uh, it was Jesus' followers, his disciples, and some of the women and other followers that were with him. It wasn't the darkest time of their life, because I would say that that was when Jesus was still in the tomb, and they weren't sure, like, what's going on here? Is he going to raise? This was after Jesus had risen from the dead. So they had seen Jesus face to face. They saw it this is amazing. He rose from the dead just like he said he would, but then he turns around and leaves them. Just, hey, this is awesome. Jesus is back from the dead. He's walking with us. He's teaching us about the kingdom. Everything's going great. And then he disappears in a cloud. And the angels are standing there saying, hey, why are you still looking up there? You know, Jesus will come back, but you go do what you need to do. And so they're back in Jerusalem and they're together. There were 120 of them and they were wondering, man, was that a dream? Jesus was here one minute. He's gone the next. We just, we need to wait. He told us to wait, but for what? Some kind of promise that's going to happen. They weren't sure what was going to happen, but they were in it together. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, it says, they all joined constantly together in prayer. They knew that if we're going to get through this, we need to be together. And 
as Christians, one of the amazing promises that we have is we don't just get together and have no hope for anything supernatural to happen or anything to change in our lives. We actually have the power to come together and say, you know what, I can pray for you. I can ask Jesus to come and move in the middle of your situation and see something go on. There may be practical times where you say, hey, I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to dig into my pocket and help you financially, or we're going to go fix something at your house. There may be times when you physically need to do that, but never underestimate the power of prayer. It's not just flapping your gums to the wind. There is something that happens when we're together and we begin to pray and see God intervene in our situations. And so they were in this spot where they weren't sure what was going to happen. Are or, or the Jews going to come get us? Are the Romans going to get us? What's going to go on? But we're together. And as they prayed, something amazing happened. How many of you know the rest of the story? They began to pray, and then 50 days later, after, after Jesus had disappeared into the cloud, the Holy Spirit gets poured out on the day of Pentecost. They get filled with power. They get filled with the ability to start performing these miracles and proclaiming the wonders of God. What Jesus had actually said to them, what he had promised, happened. And so they were together praying for it. Then they were together, and they got to celebrate what happened. Because here is the end of the story. Peter got up. He preached this amazing message in Acts 2.41. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Man, talk about something to celebrate. You're, one minute you're in the room having a prayer meeting thinking, we don't even know what's going to happen. Is this going to work out? Is what Jesus promised going to happen? And the next day, come on, the next day, one day you're praying, and the very next day you've got 3,000 people with you because the Holy Spirit gets poured out and begins to move. Come on, we, we would have to go to 10 services or expand it like... Think about this for a moment. How do you manage? One day we had 120 people in the upper room praying, and the very next day, how do we accommodate 3,000 people that have just joined up with us because of the message? I think that was cause for celebration. I think they had a little bit of a party saying, this is pretty amazing what Jesus just did and the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. And they were so excited about what Jesus did in their midst that it says they kept meeting together every day. It says they went from house to house and had meals in each other's homes. They really connected together. Come on. Better than your phone. They didn't even have a cell phone or any app to do it. And the church was breathed upon by the Holy Spirit. And it caused connection to happen in a way that nobody could ever produce in the natural. The church should be better at making connections happen than any technology we could ever have in our hand. And Jesus kept showing up. He kept doing amazing things. And I believe that still happens today. When, when we are together, when Jesus himself promises, I'll show up, I'll be right there with you when you gather together in my name, amazing things still have the potential to happen in our lives. Jesus, the creator, the God of the universe, God in the flesh, he comes and walks among us and does amazing things when we connect with him. Jesus shows up better than any cell phone could do it. The church helps us connect to Jesus and to each other. We'll we'll talk about the other things your phone does in the next few weeks, but that's what I want you to take away today. The church helps us connect to Jesus and to others better than anything we could ever do with technology. And uh, here's here's what happens when we come together. We're changed for the better. Uh, We overcome those obstacles. We, We enjoy celebrating together. So for homework this week, 
Here's, here's a couple action points I want you to take away from today. If you've never, ever connected with Jesus, if you're in this place and I never started a relationship with him, I wasn't, I wasn't a believer when I walked in, but I think Jesus might be the Son of God, like you're talking about, with that communion message. If he went to the cross for us, uh, this is a great day to start a relationship with him. And uh, if you come up and meet us after service, we'd be happy to pray for you and help that happen. If you're already a Christian, this is your homework. I'd like you to make a connection before you leave today. If you're already a Christian, you're already connected with Jesus. That means the other thing that church should be good at is connecting with each other. So I'd like you to make a connection today. Maybe take a few minutes to talk with somebody that you don't normally get to talk with or you haven't met them yet, you don't know them. Make a connection today and then let that stir you to pray for that person this week. And I don't care who it is. It, it may be somebody that you've, you've known for 10 years or it may be somebody you just met five minutes ago. Make a connection with them today and let it be on your heart to pray for them this week. So that when, you can co- when you come back next week, we're going to get to ask them, hey, how was your week? I've been praying for you. Or bonus points for your homework if you actually connect with them during this week and say, man, I've been praying for you. I sent you an email. I sent you a text. I sent you a Snapchat. Whatever, whatever the modern ways of communicating that we aren't old, uh, let them know, I've been praying for you. How's your week going? And see what Jesus can do when he connects us together and connects our hearts together. Let's go ahead and stand in this place. I smell hamburgers cooking already. So that... Uh, I see a big thumbs up from Russ in the back. I I smell hamburgers cooking already, so that means I'm at the end of being able to get anybody's attention for anything that I would say. So uh, what I'm going to do is is we're going to pray, and then we're going to have some opportunity to go out, uh, get some food, take some pictures. We'll have some games and some prizes. Uh, Tim's going to facilitate giving away some prizes, so don't miss that. But uh, let's pray first and just thank God for sending Jesus so that we could connect to him and to his body. Lord, we come before you right now. And even as, as we meditated on during communion this morning and, and the, the thoughts of what you did for us, that you pursued us when we were living far from you, when we, didn't even, we weren't even aware that we needed you. Lord, you pursued us. You sent Jesus for us. And God, we thank you for the work of the cross, what you accomplished on there, that you defeated sin and death in the grave, that you defeated every enemy that could rise up against us, and you gave us your life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I ask that even as we leave this moment here, we, we would keep in our heart and our mind what you've done for us and how you want us to represent that to others. Lord, let us carry that message of hope and good news that you've given us. Lord, bless us indeed as we go from this place. Let your goodness and your mercy be on us. Let the things that we do prosper for the sake of your kingdom, Lord God. God, help us through our lives make Jesus famous in this world. And we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.